Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano and welcome to the summer. It's June 1st. It's also episode 256. Let me just get started by thanking all of you for joining me for today's podcast episode. This is the podcast where we talk about building a better kind of online business. And over time, an increasing number of people are getting clarity on what that actually means, especially individuals such as freelancers. Now, many digital business owners start out as freelancers. They're providing services to whatever market they're doing business in. And like any other type of business out there, if they make it past what I like to call the first stage, let's call that the proof of concept, they have an idea, they're fairly optimistic that that idea has some merit to it and that it'll work. And that's the proof of concept stage that I'm talking about. This is where you learn whether or not the marketplace is going to give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down, accept you, or like that old saying goes, vote you off the island. And if you survive that first round, then you face the question in the next of profitability. That is the next stage that we get to when we discover whether or not we're able to expand or grow enough to the point where the business that we're supporting begins to support us. Now, before we go any further, there's a quick link I'd like to share with you. It's over at onetomanysystem.com. I have a brand new presentation available there for those of you looking to scale your business income without having to hiring a team or needing a big budget. It's both realistic and doable, and I go over everything step by step. If that sounds like something you'd like to do, I encourage you to go over to onetomanysystem.com and watch the free presentation available there. There's nothing to buy, and you'll get an in-depth look on how you can do that. Building an audience and enjoying the kind of reach that we used to enjoy, that used to be possible organically through social media, well, that's just not realistic for most businesses any longer. So in this presentation, you'll see exactly how you can get your message out in front of an ever-growing number of people who are difficult to reach and spending less time on social media. You know, the truth is many business owners are discovering the need to transform their approach to online marketing because things are changing. And this presentation will walk you through the steps on exactly what that looks like. This is the method that I teach to my one-on-one -on -one clients. This is the method that I slowly began adopting for myself starting back in around 2017, 2018. You can learn the complete system there. It won't cost you anything to go to onetomanysystem.com, watch the presentation, and see what you think. Okay, um, now back to what I was previously saying. I was doing some research on this, and according to the Small Business Association here in the U.S., in 2019, not that long ago, they identified approximately between 50 and 51 million businesses as being small businesses. But 81% of those businesses were business owners without having additional employees and they were all in this category of small business just think about that 81 percent of them uh, i guess we call them single owner type businesses they're solopreneurs there's a lot of different definitions floating around out there right now i'll share a few of the new ones that even i learned one of the new ones is solopreneurship 
That was something I was unaware of even. I was just went with the entrepreneur or solopreneur or, or freelancer. But the truth is, for a while now, people have been shifting their focus towards starting their own business. They're not happy with the work-life balance that's out there in the world for those who are still punching a clock. I shouldn't put it that way. I don't want to say that punching a clock or working for someone else is not the right path for anyone. I mean, I, I think every individual has to make that choice for themselves. And I know that, you know, all employers aren't created equal. Some places are a lot better to work for than others. But for those of you who have that entrepreneurial type of desire on the inside, you know who you are if you're listening to this podcast. And, uh, and if you are a new listener, you're going to get this kind of information in this podcast because my entire journey has been from that place of being an entrepreneur, of starting businesses, of learning how all of this works and carving out a path for yourself in the world. No, you don't have to do it yourself, but there's no need any longer, especially with technology and the way things are today, to be forced to do it the way people have done it in the past, meaning that oftentimes they would have to have enough put away in the bank to keep them going for three years because it would take them three years before they would turn a profit or having an expensive overhead. I was there myself at one point. And, I, and those are a lot of things that, <laughs> I, I, you know, looking back now, I'm grateful for the experiences because I think that some of the things that we learn we can only learn at a deeper level when we go through them personally. But a lot of those earlier experiences I had in my own journey, I really wouldn't wish them on anyone, not, not even people I dislike, to be honest with you about it, because those were, those were some tough times. I think coming along today is a lot easier. And you may say, well, that's easier for you to say because you've been around for a while. And if you were starting out today at ground zero, maybe you wouldn't have that kind of opinion. But, you know... When I look at the big picture of all of it, I think that everyone starts at the bottom. It doesn't make any difference whether you were born in 1950 or whether you were born in uh, 2000. Everyone starts at the bottom or anywhere in between. Everyone starts at the bottom more or less. And you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to experience some frustrations. You're going to experience maybe even a little bit of heartache along the line when things don't work out the way you'd hope they would. But then you're also going to start experiencing some success and you're going to develop something called wisdom and the ability to see things perhaps a little clearer than most people do. These are all traits that will begin to grow and develop in you as you pursue this entrepreneurial type of path or even a solopreneurial type of path like we're talking about right now. But more people are shifting their focus towards starting their own business because they're not happy with how traditional business, how the traditional employer situation works, and the tools and the tech are available today to make that possible for people to do so on small or minimal budgets. And that is the key factor right there. Never before has this been possible. So you may ask yourself, have I come around at the right time? Is it too early for me? Is it too late for me? I would say you're exactly where you need to be for your own life experience. And you can take advantage of all of these tools that are available right here, right now. Now, the tools that we have today make it easier than ever before for more people to run 
businesses entirely on their own. Now just let that sink in for a moment. Even, I would say, five years ago, people would frown upon someone making a statement like that. They would say things such as, well, you know, you want to have a team. You want to work on your business. You don't want to work in your business. You want to hire other people to t- take care of that. But the truth of the matter is, as we have progressed, even over the past five years, the need to have additional people in place is no longer either as pressing as it once was or even necessary at all because of the tools and technology replacing people. I know it's a scary thing when people hear that. And I spoke, I don't know if it was a month or two ago, uh, my friend's son, I spoke about the fact that he was, I guess, making bank would be about the best way to put it. But he was hired, he works for a large company, and his specialty is going into a factory and replacing 99 to 100% of the workers there. And I know it's sad to say it like that, but this is how things change to replace people with processes and automation. And so you can have an entire factory. One of them was a beer distributor that he worked for that once employed, I think, 20 people in a factory. Now there was only a need for two. The rest was all run by automation and tech. And so we're not moving further away from that. There doesn't seem to be a leveling out. It seems that we are just headed full steam ahead towards technology and automation doing what people used to do. But that said, I've talked to some people who've expressed to me that the key to their business was the human touch. And I have to say that that human touch element is what gives you a better experience a lot of times than an automated type of experience at certain intersections during a business experience. So, for example, if I'm going to make a purchase Nothing beats having a live person with experience telling me what my options are, what the pros and cons are, what the different budgets are, and what would be a good fit for me after explaining my situation to them. Nothing beats that. It's just so much easier than doing all of this research online and then hoping that you went to the right websites, watched the right videos, and read the right articles, and hopefully that the reviews were from real people and not bots or fake people or people that just get paid for writing positive reviews. Nothing beats the human touch. And there are some things I believe that the desire to have the human touch will never go away. Yeah, I know robots can be used for just about everything, but there is an advantage to having a real person there at times. And so that's what, and and if you look at your business in that light, and you look at the experience that you're providing for the people that you're connecting with, That will never change. And so everything in your business may be automated, but you're not automated. You're still that person. So where is your time, the time that you have as an individual, where is it best served? And what I discovered for myself is my time is best served interacting directly with my clients. Because when I interact with them, whether they're in small groups or whether it's one-on-one, That's where I'm able to bring the greatest change or the greatest transformation into their lives. That's when I'm able to do my very best for them. The automation, the technology allows me to free up time so I can do more of what I'm really good at doing. Now, I could just write everything down 
and say, forget about consulting or forget about teaching or forget about any of that and just put it all in book form. But that would never replace someone's the, the desire or the need that certain people have to ask you about their particular individual situation. So I'm sure we can get advice online on what we should do next in our lives as it relates to, and then we can take whatever situation it is. I guess we can get marriage advice from a book or a course. We could get um, exercise or health advice from a book or a source. And, and we can go right down the line, every different area of whatever we're trying to do. But the also the option of having a live person there is what makes the difference sometimes between success and failure. Because people don't fail for a lack of information. There's so much information out there. Isn't that so? I mean, you can learn how to do whatever you want to do if, if all you need is a book to do it in. But as far as the learning experience goes, and I have to tell you, I think back even back in when I first got into college, there were certain topics that I struggled with. And having the right person there to teach you that or to kind of walk you through that process and be there for you whenever you had questions, that was invaluable to me. That was transformative to me. And there were certain things I was able to learn that in college, believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about um, algebra and a few other things in that area. Things I never really used, but things that I didn't understand because I never was paired with the right teacher for myself to learn that topic. Now, when we go into the world of business, there's all kinds of little topics we learn. It's almost like going back to school again. And so whatever type of business that you have, I don't want you to be afraid that technology is going to replace you as an individual. If you're a designer, you may be thinking, well, eventually themes are going to replace or designs or templates are going to replace the need to have me here. And, and that's just not true. What makes you so valuable and Again, we put the machine in one corner, we put the person in one corner, both have advantages, both have disadvantages. When we marry them together, we have the perfect blend, in my personal opinion. And I hope you adopt that opinion too, because I think that, yes, things change, and I'm sure that there was a time in history where the people or the companies that manufactured horses and buggies thought, wow, where, where's, we don't have a future. And all of this talent and all this ability we have is going to go to waste. But it just created a different opportunity. New opportunities were born for a new generation. And if you're still alive, you're in this generation, you can take advantage of, of these things. Okay, that's my pep talk for that. So uh, we have tools today, as I was saying, that are going to make it easier than ever before for people to run businesses entirely on their own. And in fact, more people are leaving their jobs in favor of starting their own businesses now than ever before. It started happening at breakneck speed back in 2020 out of necessity. But the desire hasn't lifted just because the economy has sort of opened back up again because that, that pandemic phase has, has passed us. And now here's the thing. They're not doing this, starting their own business with the intention of building a massive corporation. See, that's what's different about this time. They're doing it because people are discovering the need to redefine their work-life balance. Earlier on, especially in your 20s, it's really hard to have a work-life balance. Either one is lopsided where you're working really hard to kind of get out there and get started, or you're in your social life and you're trying to get that off the ground 
maybe you want to start a family or find a significant other or anything like that. But it hasn't gotten any easier with time. I think a lot of people today are wanting to rework that work-life balance that they have. And so they're discovering that one of the best ways to do this is to start their own business. Or in many cases, people are looking to find the kind of fulfillment that only comes with having a business that's uniquely theirs. That was a huge one for me, and it still is today. If I had to get up and do the kind of work that I don't find uh, meaningful or fulfilling, and I had to wait until I left that job or that place of employment to do the things that matter to me, I got to tell you, I, would, I wouldn't be a happy guy. Another recent report I read that was written in 2021 identified 51 million people as being independent workers. And according to the Census Bureau, less than 3% of them filed as businesses intending to hire employees. Again, let that sink in for a moment. The report also found that 82% of independent and small business owners were happy to keep their company small. And more than half of that 82%, almost 60%, said they wanted to remain solopreneurs. Many of these people turn to entrepreneurship to improve their well-being and not add the headache of managing other people or building a massive operation. And solopreneurship, which is a new word I'm going to start using, gives them that option. Now, here's something to think about. Making the leap from being a freelancer to a solopreneur or an influencer type of brand isn't really that much of a stretch. Some of the freelancers I've met over the past several years on social media, some of them have already moved on from having that singular focus of finding more customers to provide services for to being a solopreneur-based personal brand. And they generate additional revenue from things such as content creation and creating software and plugins or selling e-commerce products or they have their own stores, they do coaching, they do consulting, they have affiliate sales, they sell ad space. And so, yes, definitions aside, we've seen what some might tease as being the lowly freelancer morphing into a solopreneur slash personal brand that is enjoying a degree of influence within their market. They already know their topic. Now, another term that I recently became familiar with over the past few years is the term nano-influencer. And I first saw this used in a popular publication here in the U.S. And the term was used specifically to describe Instagram users or solopreneurs with followings of between two to 5,000 people. Then there were mid-level influencers, and these were individuals that had around 30,000 followers. And many of these people were heavily into Instagram, where people, local business owners, international business owners, they were paying them to promote visual products. You know, Instagram, of course, is a visual platform. And so, and the same thing was true with YouTubers and their own followings. And many of these people were originally freelancers turned content creators. I know content creator is just one type of way to create additional revenue. And there's, there's many different ways to do it. But over time, people are making more money doing these other things than they were originally being freelancers. They're making more money through selling ad space. They're making more money in affiliate sales. They're doing more. They're, doing, they're, they're having greater success than they were by providing services directly to an end user. 
So let's talk just a little bit about how the solopreneur business model works because it can work on any level it's applied to from the micro all the way up to the macro. For example, on the large scale, there are solo brands or individuals that have millions of subscribers, millions of followers. Now think about what you might call I guess celebrity status, that would be a good way of putting it. Someone achieves a level of fame for doing something or being something, being involved in something, and maybe people are interested in their lifestyle or some kind of talent they may have, and that same individual can go on to sell many different things. They can outsource the manufacturing and the packaging, and they can use private label producers and other services to handle sales and fulfillment, and they don't have to be involved in any of that. They just take advantage of the fact that they've built their brand, they have a large following, and then you can contrast that with maybe the lower end income-wise of the spectrum. And as far as fame goes, we see people like dog trainers or physical trainers or artists and therapists, and they're generating six-figure incomes. Now, six figures may look small compared to multi-million dollars, but it works for those people. Not everyone wants to have a multi-million dollar operation. My cousin, for example, sells her artwork online. She's been doing so for years, and you know, for all intents and purposes, she's happy doing it the way she's doing it. Today, independent freelancer solo brands make up about 38% of the workforce, and that's that number, that percentage, is only going to increase. In the past, it's true that solopreneurship might not have been possible for many different types of businesses. But today, with automation taking over much of the heavy lifting associated with you know, running a business, people are realizing that, yeah, I can do this on my own. You know, recently I read the story of a young woman who only had a following of about a few thousand people. And she spent quite a bit of her time shopping, eating, and checking out a variety of restaurants and bars and clothing stores in her area. I believe she lived in Ohio, and she was posting all of these regularly. I think she was on Instagram, but I'm not 100% sure. But she was posting about all of these things that were going on in her area, and most of her 1,300 followers were people in that area. And as a result, she realized an opportunity. She started to contact local companies and local restaurants and bars and stores. And she began to incorporate their advertising into her posts. Now, there are strings attached. And I remember she was kind of talking about this a little bit. And she said things like, you know, you had to keep the images or the wording a certain way, of course, and that goes with any type of advertising. You're working with an advertiser. I know for all of the ad space that I've run over the last few years here on this podcast, the both myself and whoever the advertiser is has to agree on what the wording will be, what will be said. But she was going on to say that, you know, there were a few bumps in the road sometimes with getting everything exactly the way the advertiser wanted it. To be, I know that's why some people are not real big on the advertising business model if you're a solopreneur because you got to keep your advertisers happy. But she went into how it was done and how they would have certain keywords that they want to incorporate it into what she was posting. But yeah, she did that with 1,300 followers and she was making a nice part-time income from it. I don't know if she's still doing it or not, but that's just an example of 
You don't have to fit into a certain mold to take advantage of this. You don't have to be a superstar or really that well-known, and you can start with a fewer number of people and work up from there. Now, as we look back, 2020, what a year that was uh, for all the wrong reasons, but I, I remember going into that year thinking, here we are, we're at the start of a new decade, and the new decades are always, they're always interesting. I mean, think about when people look back on history, they tend to look back on past decades, you know, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, whatever the decade happens to be, and they look at the styles and what was hot and who was famous and what things happened, what defined that decade, what defined that generation. And I thought, well, here we are going into the 2020s and things are going to be redefined again. Historically, that's the way it happens. But uh, back in 2020, independent freelancers represented about 30, 36% of the total U.S. workforce. And that they said that the independent freelancers generated approximately $1.2 trillion in the economy. Now, I, that number seemed kind of high to me, but you know, I could be wrong. I'm not an economist. But the figure is up 22%, that number, from the previous year. So I guess it's possible if you think about how the shutdowns and everything's worked. It did seem like, like I said, a high number, but that figure was 22% higher than it was in 2019. And I guess if we look at it from that point of view, shutdowns and all the things that happened, I guess it's kind of obvious. But since that time, some additional surveys have come out and these surveys find that 83% of executives in larger corporations now are planning to increase their use of solo workers over the next three years. And it's cheaper for them to subcontract work out than it is to hire an employee and then go through all of the costs that are associated with having employees like taxes and health insurance and the rest of that. So even though you can point to COVID as being responsible for some or even many things, depending what we're looking at business-wise, but the fact remains that the pre-COVID era is not coming back. We've turned the corner and we're in a new time now. And people are seeing the advantages of smaller yet very profitable type businesses. In fact, I recently learned this term. The term is non-employer firms. And that's a term that the people, the statisticians, I guess you would call them, that's what they apply to businesses that do not have an employee payroll. And so if you outsource parts of your business, the people you're outsourcing to are not your employees they are contractors, they're subcontractors. And most of the people that I know who are designers and developers and social media managers run what they call agency type businesses. But those businesses really fit this category of being a non-employer firm. And so many of these same people are now discovering that it's much easier to scale their business income and growth by making the transition from just being a freelance worker to be more of a solopreneur. The main difference being, of course, that the solopreneur, or we can also call them personal brands, are also in the process of adding or building additional sources or streams of online income. So providing a service is usually the foundational source of revenue until the other income streams are developed, much like running a few mini businesses that are added on to the main business. And sometimes those mini businesses, income-wise, eclipse 
what was originally the main focus of the business. And in this case, it was being a freelance worker. So there are solopreneur website designers and developers who went on to build a YouTube presence, as an example, and a channel who are now making more money from that than they ever did designing and developing websites. Now they're focusing on teaching and training others how to design or how to develop websites for themselves, for example. And this really reminds me of what the legendary sales master Zig Ziglar. If you're unfamiliar with Zig Ziglar, do a quick search on him. He was around for years. He passed away. Uh, I don't know how long ago it was now, five years maybe. And he had a saying that you will get everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. And so I guess the question is, how can you be more effective in helping other people get what they want? Let me ask that question one more time. How can you be more effective in helping others get what they want? Because you succeed by helping others succeed. And that's where you start, or in some cases, that's where you'll restart. Now in the big picture, major enterprises, major companies continue to automate and consolidate. They need less manpower to generate the same revenues, leaving fewer opportunities in the old business system for everyone to fit in. But as one person said, there's more room now for people to start their own businesses, even without employees. Solopreneurs have the opportunity to bring the jobs to themselves, to support their families, and to enjoy the kind of economic benefits that are going to become commonplace in an increasing number of communities. Think about it. They'll be creating more networks, which will be comprised of other solopreneurs working with solopreneurs, like a network. And that, that group, the strength, the strength that is found in numbers, can create a type of resilient network that everyone can benefit from. And when you look at the big picture, what's happening, there's a large economic downturn, and it is just shuttering a percentage of small businesses. I'm talking about employer type businesses. But thanks to the technology we have available to us, we can have what some people call a decentralized operation. In other words, we don't have to worry about having a physical overhead like as we used to. And this whole idea of solopreneurship, it's not just applicable to people in the digital space. I focus on the digital space because that's where my focus is. That's where the focus of this podcast is. But there are also offline workers who can use the same and, and benefit from the same type of structure that online businesses do. So for example, if you're an accountant or you're a counselor or if you're a plumber, you can still use the same technologies that online solopreneurs and entrepreneurs are using to build your own little network, to build your own business without having to rely on other people to do so. Just the other day, I saw this individual. I think this was on TikTok. I'm not sure. Maybe it was on Facebook, but somebody shared the video with me. There was a woman who had this corner lot, and she was older, and she was missing a leg. She had an artificial limb, and it was just impossible for her to keep up with the overgrown grass, and the place just looked terrible. And she was pinching pennies, the home needed repairs, and this one really nice guy came by. He had a landscaping company, and he was basically an army of one. 
he had the high-end mower, you know, that you stand on behind and all of the weed whacking tools and little chainsaw and everything. And they showed him, he volunteered to go clean up everything free of charge for her. And at one point, at one side of the house, the weeds had grown over the curb onto the street. And he literally had to go in there with a shovel and just shovel that dirt out just to find where the curb ended again. And so he did all of this and somebody recorded it and I watched it in high speed and I thought, I remember when I was a kid where the technology for mowing a lawn, it would take all day. It would really take all day. And there was no such thing, especially when I was a kid, as a mulching mower, something that could mow the lawn up without having to be bagged. So you would mow and it would fill a bag in the back and you take it off and you dump it into another bag and you would have all of these bags on the sidewalk waiting for the trash to pick up. And that's that's the way it was. But today, I don't know the exact how the blades work underneath, but it's amazing how um, even the person that cuts our lawn, how they do it. And so one person was able to do this incredibly large job in a fraction of the time because he had the right equipment that this kind of job would be done in the past. And the same thing applies to other professions where we have one individual who's capable of doing the job of two or even three individuals just because of the tools that are available. I know a friend of mine, he used to work for a large repair shop, an automotive shop, and it was part of a car dealership. And I think there were probably about 25 mechanics employed there at one time. Well, he went off on his own. And so for him, expanding was just a matter of getting uh, additional lifts at his shop so that he could bring more car work on more cars at the same time. So he would work on one car, they would order parts, and I believe his wife helped him a little bit, but he was also like an army of one. Now somebody would look at something like that and say, well, why wouldn't you want to expand that kind of business and maybe bring on two or three other mechanics or the lawn business and bring on two or three other uh, individuals. Well, you can do that, but the fact of the matter is a lot of people are discovering that they don't want to do that, that they would rather just be an army of one, maybe raise their prices a little bit. And when all is said and done, they are bringing home just as much money doing it themselves with the tech that's available to them, with the equipment that's available, than they would be if they had two or three other workers. In other words, the percentage of increase that they would get from having two other people on board versus the headaches they have managing those people. Now, there are other sides to this as well, such as, well, what if you want to take a vacation? Then what happens? Do you have to bring your work with you? And there are ways around this. Again, a, being a solopreneur doesn't mean that you don't outsource anything ever, that you do everything yourself. For example, I know solopreneurs that were in the copywriting field and they wanted to create templates for their clients to be able to use. And rather than write them all themselves, they outsourced a, a quite a bit of the work to other copywriters who they had vetted or who they knew personally because they knew they would do a good job. And they basically built up their inventory using a team of people. But as soon as that inventory was in place, the team was released. So they didn't have to manage those people ongoing in perpetuity. I hope that makes sense. So that's what we see happening around us today. We see that these large companies are figuring out ways 
to get the same results using fewer people, having fewer employees. And that old system, it's kind of just like musical chairs where there's less real good opportunity working for maybe some of these large companies than there used to be. And as things continue to progress, solopreneurs are becoming increasingly diverse. And so I think that having this opportunity for people to not get back maybe into the workforce the way they used to in the past, kind of being reliant on a company to call their number and invite them to the table. Instead, they're going to create their own table. So, all right. I think I think that's about it for today. Oh, let me just mention one other thing. When it comes to when we use words like influencer or having influence, I know some of the people ask me or they've told me that, Jim, I've tried this personal brand thing in the past. I've, I started a blog and it just didn't attract the traffic or I tried this and people just weren't responding. And, and so the issue seems to be the marketing. And then once you get into marketing, then that opens up a whole other can of worms and the individual, the aspiring solopreneur, finds themselves completely overwhelmed. So to you, let me just give this advice. Number one, all you really need is one marketing system that works, only one. And you don't have to have that system comprised of many moving parts. And this is something that I've done with my own marketing over the last few years. I've really trimmed down the amount of time that I spend marketing to a minimum. Set up an automated system, set up my own one-to-many system, and that's what I focus on today. Now, here's the thing. When you're just starting out, it's so important that you focus on either helping others help themselves or helping others succeed or helping other people get what they want. And that's your focus. Because if you start focusing on things like the fact that you're only getting so many people to your site or you only have so many subscribers, realize that marketing is something that more often than not is a progressive, you're going to experience a progressive increase, meaning that it's not going to happen overnight. And that It takes time to build any kind of following. I don't care what it is that you do. And so if you're strictly focused on numbers, it's very easy to get discouraged and burn out early. This is a distance race. If it were different, I would tell you so. It's a distance race, and it takes a little bit of time and effort to keep doing whatever it is that you're doing. So for example... I did this podcast for a while before it gained any kind of traction, and I thought the information was just as good in the beginning as it was in the middle as it is today. If you're creating videos or you're writing text content or whatever it is that you're doing, and you put 110% into it, well, you put 100% into it, let's say, you do the very best that you can with what you have, and you're not getting people responding the way you'd hope. Just recognize and accept the fact that the process of people discovering you and benefiting from you being there is more often than not a gradual process. And that's why it's so important to stay with it, be consistent with what you put out there, and give people a chance to learn more about you. Discovering who you are and what you offer, again, is going to be a process for many of your future fans or supporters of your work, but they will discover you. Not only are they discovering what you're going to be doing today, but they'll also dig into what you've been doing in the past. A lot of the people that discovered my podcast end up listening to previous episodes. And so that's the nice thing about 
audio content is audio content has a fairly long shelf life to it, the same way as blog content does. I go online and I'll look up articles, and those articles were written a few years ago, but yet they're still ranking very highly. A lot of times they're updated to reflect any changes. Like I'll see something that was written three or four years ago, but it's updated for 2022. That's another way for you to generate ongoing traffic is by creating what I like to call long-form content. But it is a distance race, and so you are going to have to be patient. If you're not patient and you're just every day looking at how many people are reading or how many people are subscribing, yes, I know that's the end game, but think of this as like the champion, a championship distance fight. It's not a three-rounder. It's not a six-rounder. It's, it's a 15-rounder. And so you have to realize going in that this has more to do with endurance than most people realize. And that means some days it'll feel like you're wasting your time. Some days it'll feel like you're hitting a wall. And some days your mind will tell you, you know what? You just need to forget about this and move on to something else. Now, I know that you know, there's no guarantee that any of us are going to succeed in what we're doing. And so is there a time to pull the plug and do something else or to change up what you're doing? Absolutely, but you have to be able to discern the difference between you being impatient and you not being able to realistically go any further doing what you're doing the way you're doing it. So for example, I know people that have built large followings, let's say on Twitter, but they've kind of exhausted that audience as far as releasing new offers and interaction and things like that. And so if they just keep on with that platform, then they're not going to experience the kind of growth that they will if they move over to another platform and there's a brand new audience there who's unfamiliar with them. And then they start that growth process over and over again. And the nice thing about that is if you feel frustrated with that and say, well, that just sounds like a lot of work. Just recognize that the, the same laws that apply to you and your business apply to your competitors. So everyone's experiencing the same thing. I know people who have a large following on YouTube and they say that, you know, Jim, people aren't the percentage of my subscribers who are actually watching the videos I release regularly. It's very small and maybe it's uh, less than a quarter of the people who are actually watching of my subscribers or somebody will say that with, with another platform. And then they'll want to come over and do something like podcasting and see if they can get their information in front of a brand new audience. But the thought of starting from the bottom up is something that is a little bit overwhelming to them, something they find a little bit discouraging. But like I, as I just told you, I told them the same thing. Look at it this way. It's no different from your competitors. Your competitors are going to experience a certain amount of growth. Whatever platform is responsible for that growth will, will have a, a cap on it. And then they too are going to have to move out of that familiar place to a place that's maybe unfamiliar to them or a place where not everyone knows their name or no one knows their name and start that process all over again. The nice thing about it is if you do have your own website, you do have all your own content together. Maybe it's in a blog or podcast. I do both. I have my written content and my audio content all available at one website. That's my Jim Galliano 
LinkedIn.com website. And so I know that if I find someone, let's say on LinkedIn, that I'm connecting to for the very first time and they come over to my main website, I know that they're going to discover all of these other types of content that I have available. And so I have multiple opportunities to be able to make a connection with that person. So that's the approach that I encourage you to take. Make sure you have your own domain, yourname.com, or if you want to have a, a company brand, that's up to you. But make sure all of your content is available under one roof. Don't make it difficult for people to find you, to get more information about you. And then just recognize that all of that content will be housed there. And whether someone discovers you for the first time a month from now or a year from now, all of that content that you've built will go a long way towards creating a lasting connection between you and your new audience member going forward. And none of the time that you spent creating this type of information, whether it's video, audio, written content, or otherwise visual content, none of it will be, for, it will not be a waste of your time. It will not be for naught as the saying goes. Okay, that's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, as always, please go ahead and share the episode link with them or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. As I was just saying, all the back episodes can be found there. And your sharing of this podcast, whether it's as the podcast as a whole or a specific episode link, helps me reach people that would otherwise be very difficult to reach. It helps me reach people who could use a little bit of a boost in their own business. So that's all for today. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later.